Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Tom Spore, and thank you for joining us today on Heritage Events Live. I'd like to welcome you to our event confronting Russian interference in U.S.-Czech missile defense cooperation. Well, the Czech, the Czech Republic is often employed as a testing ground for Russian influence operations, many of which are later implemented against other NATO countries, if successful. Hence, if one wants to understand Russia's methods and operations, the Czech security environment provides an invaluable example. Well, a great example of a Russian disinformation campaign was their work to derail the effort to station a U.S. X-band missile defense radar in the Czech Republic. U.S.-Czech missile defense cooperation started around 2002, lasted about seven years, and essentially ended in September 2009 when President Obama announced he was abandoning the effort. A couple of factors were present. By this time, the Czech Republic public opinion and that of the Czech parliament was against the radar. And the Obama administration in early 2009 uh, announced an effort to reset its relationship with Russia, even though Russia had invaded Georgia in August of 2008. This period serves as an excellent, excellent study of alliance behavior, cooperation, and the role of an external actor such as Russia. Well, to understand this case study, we have three great panelists and I invite them to join us on stage right now. First, we have Dr. Michaela Dodge, a research scholar at the National Institute for Public Policy who earned her PhD from George Mason University and is an expert on nuclear deterrence and missile defense. And significantly for me, she is a alumni of the Heritage Foundation. Dr. Dodge's PhD dissertation was adapted into a recently published great book titled U.S. Czech Missile Defense Cooperation. And later on, we will put the, uh, the link for this book that you can get it if you want it uh, in our chat box. Next, we have Lieutenant Colonel Odekar Fultimi, a security expert at the Ministry of Defense of the Czech Republic, a PhD candidate at the Charles University in Prague and an author of multiple books and chapters. And our final panelist is Mr. Jacob Janda, Executive Director of the European Values Center for Security Policy in Prague. He specializes in the response of democratic states to hostile information and influence operations. He is an Associate Fellow at the Slovak Security Policy Institute and a regular contributor for the Atlantic Council. And he's a proud member of the active reserves of the Czech Armed Forces. Well, Dr. Dodge is gonna set the scene for us and describe how the US and Czech missile defense cooperation began and how it progressed. Then Colonel Fulton will pick up and describe in more detail the Russian disinformation campaign that was waged to derail this cooperative effort. And then finally, Mr. John will talk about how countries can combat Russian disinformation campaigns. After they all give us some remarks, I'll ask them a question or two, and then I wanna to turn to your audience questions. And so uh, our 
our moderator, our narrator talked about how you can enter them in the question box. I encourage you to do that. We will get to as many of your questions as we can. So we have a great program. Let's move on. At this point, I invite Dr. Dodge to speak first and to set the stage for us. Thank you so much, Tom, for the kind introduction. And thanks so much um, to my colleagues to uh, join us from the Czech Republic. I would also be remiss to not mention several of my former heritage colleague and friends that contributed to the book itself. John Fleming, Karina Rollins, Bill Poole, and of course, Jim Carfano, Steve Bucci, and Tom Spohr, who supported me throughout the project that really seemed like it will never end. Uh, but I'm very happy to be at Heritage, uh, and I'm very grateful also to my work at National Institute for Public Policy for their support in, uh, in putting the book together. There are many reasons why one should understand Russia's actions in the Czech Republic during the radar debate. First, the Czech Republic is sort of a laboratory for other NATO states. If an operation or an approach works there, uh, it uh, gives Russia more confidence to implement it in other NATO states. Second, Russia's operations are of a long-term character. Kudos to the Czech Security and Information Service for publishing fairly detailed annual reports mapping these activities over time. They make it possible to make inferences and educated guesses regarding the nature of Russia's influence operations. In fact, NATO countries should encourage each other to publish annual reports akin to those that the Czech intelligence services prepare. They would make it easier to understand the extent of adversaries' activities, for there is no doubt that Russia is an adversary in the influence operations sphere. The case of US-Czech missile defense cooperation is interesting for both policy practitioners and academic scholars because its levels fluctuated over time. The Czech Republic was notionally interested in participating in a future US ballistic missile defense architecture as early as 2002, and then discuss its potential participation between 2003 and 2006. It negotiated to host one of its components, one of the components of a missile defense system in 2007 and eight, and after the Obama administration canceled a plan in 2009 to place an X-band radar on the Czech territory, the Czech Republic turned down the administration's offer to host an early warning data center in 2011. In my remarks, I will provide a brief overview of the case, and my expert colleagues will comment upon the Russia influence operations part. U.S.-Czech missile defense cooperation went through three somewhat distinct phases. First, preliminary planning. Second, U.S.-Czech missile defense negotiations. And third, demise of U.S.-Czech missile defense cooperation. The first phase spanned 2003 to 2006. It involved technical exchanges between the two countries, including narrowing down a potential location for a ra radar site. The public discussion about a missile defense site was largely non-existent until about summer 2006. That undoubtedly made it easier for the Russian Federation to get their ducks in a row. The Americans were not secretive about their efforts to improve homeland missile defense system by placing its components in Europe. 
No, the issue trickled into the public discourse by summer 2006. And that is when the civic movement No Basis Initiative was founded. The movement was opposed to the United States placing a missile defense component in the Czech Republic, and it benefited from Czech general mistrust of any sort of foreign permanent military presence. Importantly, the Czech Republic had elections in the summer of 2006. The Czech Social Democrats lost the government after years of leading it, and in a way, the US-Czech Missile Defense Cooperation became a casualty of the electoral outcome. The missile defense issue became polarizing and polarized, and the Russian Federation took an advantage of this political atmosphere. For the Czech foreign policy elite, hosting a US missile defense site was a way to counter Russia's political influence. Perhaps that is why it was so important for Russia to counter the project. The second phase spanned January 2007 through September 2009. The Czech Republic and the United States negotiated two important agreements during this time, the broader missile defense agreement and a status of forces agreement. Both had to do with different technical aspects of the United States placing an X-band radar in the Czech Republic, and both needed a parliamentary approval. And just to give you a sense of political instability, the Czech government faced five no-confidence votes between January 2007 and March 2009 when it finally fell. The caretaker government stayed through June 2010 and didn't have the mandate to approve the, the agreements. And so the government never passed, the, uh, the agreements never passed the Chamber of Deputies. Of course, this political instability was a contributing factor to the success of Russia's influence operations. The Czech government was adamant that spending resources on a public relations campaign regarding the radar was premature. The delay put the Czech government on defense from which it never quite recovered. By this phase, the opposition to a US radar on the Czech territory was well organized and likely fairly well funded. At this point in time, the government representatives did not talk about Russia's activities in the Czech Republic. And I never quite understood why, especially after Russia's invasion in Georgia, it seemed like a very much a missed opportunity. The third phase is practically everything after September 2009, and there wasn't that much to talk about from the Missile Defense Cooperation standpoint. In September 2009, the Obama administration decided to cancel the plan to place interceptors in Poland and the X-band radar in the Czech Republic. By then, Russia's influence operations and activities refocused on their more traditional topic, primarily business investments in the energy and heavy industry sectors. The Obama administration offered the Czech government an opportunity to host a smaller component of a US missile defense system later specified as an early warning data center. The offer was accompanied by many high-level Obama administration officials' visits to the Czech Republic. Discussions and negotiations about a data center continued in 2010, but were marked by an increasing Czech frustration over a lack of substance regarding the center's potential contribution to US and NATO's security and costs associated with hosting it. Then in 2011, the Czech government said uh, it would not host an early warning data center, 
which marked an end um, of the era of US-Czech ballistic missile defense cooperation efforts. And with those introductory remarks, I'm looking forward to hearing my colleagues on the influence operations part. Great, Dr. Dodge, thank you so much for that. That was very interesting. I, I can't wait to circle back and ask you some questions about that. So now uh, Colonel Fulton will help us better understand the Russian disinformation campaign that undermined the US Czech effort. Colonel, take it away, please. Thank you very much. Uh, I will try to explain uh, why the Czech Republic is uh, something like a laboratory uh, for uh, Russians uh, when we speak about uh, inflation operations. But at the beginning, I have to mention that I'm still on active duty. And uh, from this point of view, this is an academic activity. And my opinions uh, do not reflect the official position of the Czech Republic. Uh, but I will try to be uh, very open. So, so I hope that uh, uh, I will be successful when I want to explain why uh, the Czech Republic might be a very good uh, laboratory uh, for Russians and uh, what should we do to resist. Uh, at first, uh, it is necessary to mention that uh, uh, Kremlin uh, agenda is uh, aimed on uh, uh, weak uh, points in, uh, in every state. Uh, so uh, in every state, uh, when we speak about small European countries, uh, they aim on uh, different uh, weak points. And uh, in the Czech case, uh, it is uh, our history, it is our sentiment, uh, and uh, of course, uh, some uh, let's say, set parts of our history in uh, At the previous uh, history, uh, we, during our national awakening, uh, we suffered uh, with strong artificial Slavophilia. It means uh, some kind of uh, artificial uh, neighborhood with uh, uh, Russians. Uh, uh, it's not a geographic neighborhood, but in fact, it's some kind of uh, really artificial uh, uh, relation with uh, with our so-called uh, big brother uh, in the east. Uh, in the 20th century, uh, we suffered uh, by uh, two uh, totalities, uh, Germans and the uh, Russians, uh, including uh, the Soviet invasion. And uh, uh, this uh, at least uh, 60 years long period uh, uh, caused that uh, uh, our elites were destroyed and uh, uh, also, our values were spoiled. Uh, during that time, uh, the authoritative uh, regimes uh, built uh, some kinds uh, of uh, nationalistic myths. And of course, the communism itself is uh, uh, something terrible for your uh, national feeling or understanding of your identity. Uh, even though we are 30 years after the Velvet Revolution, when uh, we became a uh, democratic state uh, uh, again, uh, it's fair to say that our democratic values and understanding of rule of law and good government uh, is uh, still not perfect. And uh, in this position and in this uh, uh, situation, uh, we are targeted uh, by uh, information revolution, uh, by uh, so-called hybrid operations and so on. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so, is it, is it really something new? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, it's uh, when we speak about hybrid uh, warfare or Russian new generation warfare. In fact, when we speak about the principles of uh, uh, concurrence between states, 
it's nothing new under the sun, uh, but uh, what might be a little new, it's, uh, it's uh, in our heads. Uh, the new objective of uh, uh, Russians in this moment is uh, not a victory in a military conflict, but it's some kind of a regime change or at least uh, some kind of influence. Uh, it means that uh, when we want to resist, we should understand that uh, it's not a point. The result it's, uh, it is not a victory. Uh, in, in, in the future, it's just a vector. Uh, so they follow and uh, not only hit the long complex uh, processes. Uh, they very well understand what is the fragility of the system itself. And uh, maybe that some of you know that uh, the uh, last uh, sport of uh, President Putin is a judo. And uh, uh, as a, in, in judo, the Russians uh, very often use the defender's strength against uh, himself. So the open society, freedom of speech, uh, and all these uh, really very important rights, uh, which are the base for the, for the democracy itself, uh, are targeted and misused. Uh, so the basic instrument is uh, any level of influence, uh, including uh, uh, reflexive control, elite capture, and all the uh, instruments which uh, might be very dangerous for, especially for small, uh, young democracies in the middle and in the eastern part of the of the Europe. Uh, so, when I will use uh, just an example, how they do that, uh, you can uh, just uh, uh, imagine what they do in the uh, cyber domain or uh, how they deploy the, their information operations. Uh, for example, in the current situation, very often they use uh, some kind of, let's say, information uh, bullet, uh, which is just a tracer. It means for, for soldiers, you know, that uh, you can use uh, uh, a tracer bullets just to show uh, to your soldiers uh, where is the enemy or where is the, where is the target. Uh, so they just uh, show to the local activists or, let's say, useful idiots uh, where is something like a target and they just follow the direction. Uh, the modern media environment, especially social media, multiplies uh, these effects. Uh, and uh, in the end, uh, it might be extremely effective when you want to change uh, the uh, atmosphere of, of the nation, or for example, when you want uh, to have uh, some significant influence on, on the uh, election. Next slide, please. Uh, so, the goals are not only disinformation, uh, but uh, uh, what they do now, uh, and not only in the Czech Republic, uh, they increased the polarization of the society. You can see it not only uh, in the Europe, uh, but uh, in uh, new democracies, uh, it's, uh, it's more visible. Uh, they want to cause less faith uh, in the democratic rule of law and uh, institutions, and of course, uh, they want to have much bigger influence uh, uh, than uh, they have now. Uh, and of course, they remember uh, the really strong influence uh, in, in the future. So they want it back. Uh, so if I will use uh, military terminology, uh, they use uh, less uniformed snipers and more robbers with shotguns uh, who just uh, spread info pellets around. And uh, when they hit, it's a good point for them. When they miss, nothing happens, uh, they will try again. Uh, they take every opportunity to destabilize. And uh, when I will uh, use another example, uh, it might be, for example, the current uh, uh, 
COVID-19 prison, prison uh, because uh, uh, when we compare the situation uh, before the COVID crisis and uh, just a few months after, uh, you can see on the uh, on the uh, graphs uh, on the slide that uh, in a few months they completely changed the portfolio of narratives and they aimed on uh, COVID crisis. Uh, the number of uh, disinformations uh, concerning COVID crisis uh, is uh, uh, multiplied by, again, local useful idiots or local activists. And the situation is very similar, uh, for example, for another case, if you remember the shutdown of uh, MH17, uh, it was nearly the same. In one moment, and you can find it in, in the uh, cyber domain, that in one moment they aimed on one narrative and they spread a little different narratives in every country, but the main narrative was the, uh, was the same. But the goal wasn't, uh, and uh, it is uh, not uh, even now, the goal wasn't uh, to force the local inhabitants uh, to believe uh, to one narrative. The goal is to say nothing is true. Uh, so don't believe uh, to anybody. And at first, don't believe to your own government and especially your uh, basic values. Next slide, please. So what to do? Uh, uh, I understand that, uh, we, uh, that the main topic of this uh, presentation is uh, uh, the case uh, concerning uh, uh, radar base uh, in the Czech Republic, but uh, it has some roots and uh, this it is just a part of, uh, of the problem. So we should know what should we do and uh, what we may change uh, in our mentality in, and uh, in our approach. So uh, let me use uh, an example from sports. Uh, what we, especially soldiers, but our politics do the same mistake. What we prefer, it's a, it's a football or in soccer in, in Europe. The counting is, is very uh, simple. Uh, it's based on physical skills and straightforward tactics. And of course, uh, in every moment you can see the result. We want to see what's happening now and uh, what is uh, the goal in the future. And we want to reach one point uh, uh, in, the, uh, in any future operation. So we want to see that somebody was defeated uh, and uh, we won. In fact, we should play tennis. Uh, the whole match is a just process. And uh, if you win the right games, you can win uh, the whole match, even when you have lost more exchanges. Uh, what is the uh, main narrative of, of, this, uh, of this comparison? Uh, our problem is that we prefer playing all games, uh, including four games. Uh, and in this moment, we play football, even when we are at the tennis court in Wimbledon. It means that uh, we still don't understand that uh, the Russians uh, don't plan to occupy Western Europe. Uh, we still prepare our plans, our armies, uh, and uh, even our governments for, let's say, not very probable scenario. Uh, but in fact, uh, we are also already in some kind of uh, conflict, uh, which is not visible, but uh, it doesn't mean that uh, it doesn't exist. But the problem is that when the Russians will keep the conflict under our threshold of uh, understanding of conflict, uh, we will not defend ourselves. And uh, we can still say nothing is happening uh, or it's not a problem of soldiers, police or, uh, or government. Uh, I know that uh, you may think that uh, it's not so serious in this moment, 
but uh, you can see what happened in a few European countries. And uh, when you put these uh, incidents in one line, you can see that uh, we, we really have a problem and it's not only the radar base in the past. Thanks all. Colonel Fulton, thank you so much. Those were great remarks. Uh, very interesting. I didn't like the picture of the guy uh, pointing the shotgun at me, so I was happy to get off that slide. So um, I would encourage our listeners to enter any questions they have in the question box. We'd love to take your questions when we get to that section. But meanwhile, we're going to turn now to Mr. Janda, and he's going to talk about how countries can best prepare themselves and to counter uh, Russian disinformation. So thank you. Thank you, Tom, and thank you for having me. So I'll just briefly come back to the uh, missile issue or this, the, the episode in the Czech-US relations history, and then I'll flash back uh, right away to today. So uh, I think uh, looking over to Czechoslovakia in the past, you could actually really see that there were instances where uh, Russian or let's say Soviet intelligence actually used uh, Czechoslovakia as a testing ground in the past as well. So the 1948 revolution uh, or a coup d'etat is actually organized by the Czechoslovak Communist Party with the direct support of Soviet intelligence was actually considered to be a wake-up call for much of the uh, intelligence agencies of the free world after World War II. And to my knowledge, it has been taught as one of the examples how countries, democratic countries, should actually learn and never to allow such a scenario which happened in uh, February 1940. 48 in Czechoslovakia. So that's that's far far deep in our history, but I think it's good to remember that they are those instances. Uh, I think overall, um, looking over the Russian involvement in this uh, missile uh, defense discussion in the Czech Republic uh, just a decade ago, uh, you could you could very easily say that the Russian uh, side has actually won. Uh, and there are two parts of it. One is when the Obama administration decided for a strategic policy shift on, on this particular issue, and that was their decision, which I think was a horrible mistake, but at the end they did make the decision politically from the top down, let's say. Uh, but at, in the first stage, which we are talking about here mainly, uh, it's really about how much the Russian involvement, Russian government's involvement in the Czech domestic affairs has actually made a difference on the ground in public opinion, in political opinion, in the Czech Republic and in the Czech-US relations. And there, uh, at least to my knowledge, uh, this specific case is understood quite well among European intelligence and security agencies as one of the first uh, big wins of Russian hybrid warfare or Russian influence operations on NATO, so NATO soil after Vladimir Putin came to power. So there were many other instances, but this has been one of the very clearly successful ones uh, coming from Russia where Czech Republic lost, uh, lost this case, particularly uh, because of the non-existence of its own defenses of, uh, to this particular, uh, let's say, a level or a model of warfare or, or influence operations. Um, so uh, just looking back to the case, I think it's clearly you could clearly you could say the the Russian government won its case. Uh, they they helped to persuade, mobilize, persuade, and cultivate part of the Czech public, specific target groups uh, within. Um, 
the Czech far-left anti-establishment groups, which are uh, protesting vocally against this this particular Czech-US policy. Uh, and there was a lot of direct involvement between Russian entities and the Czech Social Democrats, who were in the opposition back then, um, a, a center-left political party, which has actually played a role of, I would say, useful idiots, or you could basically say they played the role of the proxies of Russian geopolitical interest in the Czech political discussion. Uh, so there were cases where there were former uh, high-ranking high Russian military officials, former ones, which actually were speaking inside of headquarters of this particular Czech political party, Czech Social Democratic Party in, in Prague. And those were instances where uh, Czech intelligence community was like looking looking into this case and saying, well, wow, the Russians are really here. And they, they have our own uh, democratic opposition in a sense of a central left political opposition in their hands. Uh, so that's that's why the Russian intelligence was very, very successful in cultivating their proxies in the Czech Republic. Um, I think it's clear to say that uh, there was uh, much of the Russian intelligence activity involved during the, those years. Uh, not all the details are publicly available today, but uh, what is known is that there was uh, massive involvement, uh, particularly looking at, uh, let's say, two target groups. One were the pro organizers of protests uh, against this uh, this uh, possible uh, US base on the Czech soil. Um, so those were essentially led by far-left anti-establishment leaders uh, who became quite active and well-funded during those, those particular months uh, and part of the political parties, the Communist Party and the Social Democratic Party. Uh, and I think something what might be interesting today, at least from what I've been hearing from insider, uh, insider talks and discussions, is that actually Chinese intelligence was very much involved during, during these years, not in influencing the Czech public discussion, but in gathering knowledge on the ground on what's particularly happening over here on this particular issue, which looking around 10 plus years ago from now, that's something what, uh, I mean, in the Czech Republic, it wasn't well understood what the Chinese really want, what Chinese intelligence was on the Czech soil. Uh, so that might be interesting. Um, I think uh, if you try to evaluate what actually happened, uh, there are many aspects of the failure of the Czech state on this particular issue. Uh, clearly, uh, the bottom line is that the, there, there has been unwillingness uh, to really respond to Russian activities. Uh, there were efforts to actually keep, uh, I would say, keep the incidents under the carpet. Um, to my knowledge, there were multiple in, uh, instances where Czech intelligence community warned the Czech political leadership, meaning the Czech government, Czech cabinet, um, which decided not to act. Uh, not to expose publicly or not to go out directly to the Russian government and, and confront them with particular incidents. At least that's what I've been told on, on this particular issue. Uh, and I think you could really much look over the bronze statue incident in Estonia in contrast, which which uh, has been, uh, at least within Central Eastern Europe, within NATO nations here, have been considered as a different case where Estonia and the Estonian government saw a massive pressure coming from Russia, and they did respond to some extent compared to the Czech case here on the missile defense. Um, I think overall you could say that there was a lack of not only knowledge and willingness to respond, uh, politically, I mean mainly politically, uh, and there was a lack of any strategic communications capabilities at the time within, I would say, Czech armed forces, but Czech government in general, uh, because the team which was on the, gov on the Czech government side preparing for the communications work uh, was not good in their work, I would say, to put it that way. Um, so that has obviously been underestimated by the Czech government and uh, the results uh, we know uh, actually how it happened. So the public opinion has been partly lost, uh, also thanks to this policy failure, not only 
thanks to Russian activities, but the, the inability to respond to disabilities on the Czech side. Uh, just to finish up, I think uh, the big lesson learned for today is that the uh, importance of elite capture operations, which we know the Russian government uses, Russian intelligence uses, and the Chinese one as well in Europe, uh, and that's something what is particularly important because, what I mean, it is one thing to organize protests or uh, protest groups, disinformation activities, kind of underground within the society, but uh, at the top level of the government or the parliament, be it uh, opposition, the, the mainstream opposition parties like the Social Democrats, uh, that's something what is an important factor. And today we could very well see across Europe that there has been Russian activities, uh, um, in particular mainstream political establishments across European countries, across uh, European NATO members, uh, trying to cultivate leaders within the mainstream political parties who would basically toe the Russian line, be it Jeremy Corbyn within the Labour Party in the past in the UK, or SPD in Germany, Social Democratic Party of Germany, or, or other, other parties. So those, those activities are here, and honestly I would say they are the most important ones politically speaking, because once you have leadership of the state, be it uh, in the government or in the parliament as an opposition, who are essentially Russian proxies, that's that's a big problem. That's something what overplays very much uh, uh, just any, or more or less any ground level activity, be it simple espionage or be it, uh, be it uh, organization of political protests on the ground. So uh, at the end, what, I, what is clearly needed, and I'll, I'll stop here, uh, for what we, see, what we see in responding to Russian influence operations these days, today, uh, several aspects of, of where the responses are, and currently the Czech government finally has some of its strategic and policy documents how to do it. Obviously, the political willingness to do it is, is limited because of the elite capture we have here now in the Czech Republic uh, with the president who is serving the Russian, Russian interests, for example. But we have the executive branch, which most of it so far has been relatively uh, patriotic, to put it that way, meaning serving this country, not the Russian one. Uh, so what, what needs to be done? Political acknowledgement of the threat. So there needs to be political decision that this is a threat. And I mean, Russian influence operations are a threat. And there needs to be a response because only, gov only government entities like the country intelligence community or the military or the, the police cannot uh, really respond by, by, them, by themselves. They need political leadership and political decisions which allows them to respond. Uh, second, there needs to be a willingness to respond to the hostile actor, which essentially means that we as, and here I'm speaking mainly as a European, so European nations need to, European NATO nations need to be willing to put um, put cost on the Russian aggressive behavior, otherwise Russia or Russian government has no way or no reason for stopping that behavior. And here, for example, if you look over, if you compare what's the level or amount and scope of European sanctions or EU sanctions on Russia based on Russian aggression against Ukraine compared to the US government sanctions, there's a completely different story. Basically, the European ones are very symbolic and they do not really hurt Russia, with some exceptions, while the American ones, which are very targeted and very hard-hitting, actually do hurt the Russian political and oligarchy establishment. Um, so our problem is that we, we as Europeans are basically unwilling to punish Russia for its hostile behavior. And that's our core of our problem because then Russia has no reason why, why to stop this hostile activity. Um, Third level of activity is exposing Russian proxies, so domestic actors who are serving on behalf of the foreign, uh, foreign adversary. There are so many things which need to be done, which are finally happening today. Uh, proactive strategic communications policy, which is happening partly today in the Czech Republic, but this is a big thing which, for example, Czech government uh, uh, underappreciated or underperformed in uh, during the missile defense discussion.
and then there's uh, resilience building from media literacy to the state of the uh, state activity let's say or state institutions for them to be all good um, just to finish up really, really they are i think good examples we see across europe where people and nations we learn from be it the baltic allies be it Sweden or be it the people in Ukraine. Not everybody, but they are good institutions and good individuals, experts and and, uh, and entities in Ukraine who are facing off the Russian pressure and they are very good at doing it because of their uh, unfortunate seven years of experience with Russian aggression. So those are people to learn from. I'm happy to go more into details, but I'll stop, stop now for here. Mr. Janda, thank you very much. That was excellent. I, and uh, frankly, you know, this kind of news doesn't make the headlines, but it ought to because it is very scary. So I invite our other panelists to join us on screen here. We've got some great questions coming up here. Um, I guess the first one I want to ask uh, to you, uh, Michaela, and that is, would would U.S. Have, and Czech missile defense cooperation have succeeded had it not been for Russia's influence operations? Or was there other factors at work here? You know, that is a really tough question that I, I'm not sure I have a satisfactory answer in my mind. Um, the Missile Defense Corporation became a political liability in the context of Czech domestic politics that was impacted by, by Russian influence operations, but it was more that the Russians took advantage of the political chaos that followed because of factors unrelated to U.S. Czech Missile Defense Corporation. And so it might be that it wouldn't have succeeded even without the Russian involvement, but I think the big lesson is that the Russians were ready and prepared to take advantage of the opportunity when the opportunity presented itself. And, you know, the obvious analogy here is looking at the United States and polarization and all the cleavages within the U.S. society is a situation ripe for the Russian influence operations taking advantage of the chaos and impacting U.S. political process. If the answer to your last question is yes, <laughs> I'm afraid it's yes. Uh, I'm going to sprinkle in some audience questions here. Hey, before I go though, Jacob or uh, Odakar, any Anything you want to add to that? I think it's good with me. I think we should go ahead with the other questions. Okay. That's fine. This, this one came from the audience, uh, and, and this person, Jay Hawk, asks, do you see any specific Russian influence campaigns going on right now against uh, Czech Republic, Allied, Allied Cooperation, and maybe about the uh, F-35? And, and Jacob, I'll go to you first on this. Mm -hmm. uh, there are multiple Russian influence operations ongoing. There are long-term ones which are, for example, trying to uh, explain or portray Ukraine as a failed state run by a fascist government. And here I'm quoting most of those disinformation operations. And we might be laughing, but our problem is that approximately one third of the Czech population believes those narratives about Ukraine, for example, which means that then it's harder for the Czech government to send lethal weapons assistance to Ukraine if one third of your electorate thinks they are fascist. So that's just the example. But currently we see a lot of COVID-related disinformation operations, which are trying to explain the Russian uh, so 
so-called vaccine to be uh, well working and something what the Czech government should use regardless of the medical agencies uh, uh, regulations and approval uh, systems uh, or we have seen a massive uh, disinformation which is actually attacking the credibility of the Western ori uh, originated vaccines against COVID. Uh, so there are multiple things happening at the same time. Yeah. So Fulton, Fulton anything you want to add to that? Uh, I agree with uh, Jacob. Uh, I would just add that uh, when he mentioned, for example, the problem in Ukraine, uh, one of uh, operation which was uh, uh, really long and uh, unfortunately successful, uh, it was an information against uh, the will of European states uh, to deliver weapons uh, to Ukraine. Uh, uh, it, it might help. Uh, uh, it, it might be some kind of game, game changer if they would uh, have modern, especially anti-tank weapons, uh, but uh, they didn't have in time. Uh, so uh, you, you can see uh, in, in, in the past, in the, in the uh, uh, information domain, in media, that uh, uh, in the, some moment it was full of uh, the narratives mentioned by Jacob, uh, especially that Ukrainians uh, are fascists and so on. Uh, and because of our history, we are very sensitive uh, to these uh, uh, narratives. So uh, it's not very complicated to deliver such message. And unfortunately, we are very sensitive to it. To it. And uh, for example, currently, and uh, it's, it's another question in, in the chat, uh, currently it's a construction of a new Czech uh, nuclear power station, which uh, uh, might be uh, constructed by Russians. And of course, you can uh, imagine what might it, what might it cause uh, in, in uh, our internal political situation, because we have very good example in uh, Hungary, in, in uh, their nuclear power plant station uh, in, uh, in the packs. Uh, so this is uh, very actual and uh, the uh, modus operandi is still the same. Thank you. Is that is that the Decoveny tender? Is that what you're speaking of? Yes. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, Michaela, I'm going to direct this question to you. Uh, it's got to do with missile defense. Uh, this is from Cameron Ring and, and Cameron asks, any ideas why the Obama administration canceled the missile defense program in Poland? So if he's referring to the September 2009 announcement, uh, the, the Obama administration canceled a plan to put an X-band radar in the Czech Republic and the ground basement course defense interceptors in Poland. Uh, but it announced a different missile defense plan called the European Fixed Adaptive Approach that put capabilities in Poland and Romania and um, contributed sort of additional capabilities to the Aegis sea-based missile defense system. Uh, if the administration implemented the EPAA, it actually would have been better capability than the plan for Poland and the Czech Republic. Uh, the administration at the time argued that missile defense, uh, the long-range missile defense threat did not proceed as fast as the administration anticipated and that allies were threatened by regional missile defense developments, namely the Iranian short and intermediate range ballistic missile program that impacted Europe. And so that was the sort of official justification for the change of plans. The, the problem was that the administration announced the change on the anniversary of the Russian or Soviet annexation of Poland and in the context of reset policy, it really was a bad signal um, sort of affirming 
or giving benefits to Russia's belligerence and Russia's, Russia's aggressiveness towards allies. Thank you. We're getting near the end of our time. Uh, I want to ask a question, and I'll start this one to, to you, Jacob, and that is, uh, and you kind of touched on this in your remarks, was and is the Czech Republic more or less susceptible to Russian influence operations than any than other NATO countries? And if, if it is more susceptible, why is that? There are massive problems with elite capture in the Czech Republic. We have the president, we have the Communist Party, we have individuals in mainstream political parties who are essentially serving as Russian government's proxies. So that is our problem in the Czech Republic. And, uh, and, uh, and Russian disinformation operations and, uh, are quite active here as well. So we have some uh, uh, level of their success when persuading Czech populations on some of their geopolitical views. Uh, but uh, our, our think tank actually does an, what we call annual ranking of EU member states on how do they respond to Russian uh, Russian uh, information operations? So the top, the be best responders in Europe are the Baltic countries, Sweden, obviously the UK, but now outside of the EU. Uh, so those are the best ones. Uh, that's the that's the best category. The worst ones clearly are countries like Hungary, Greece, uh, which are or Cyprus, which are basically in the Russian pocket. But then there's a middle ground to, to some extent where Czech Republic is relatively um, standing, let's say, with uh, I would say relatively good response of the security establishment, being the uh, the administrative level of the government and the law enforcement intelligence community, that is quite good in the Czech Republic, while the political response is very much lacking or some part of the political establishment is essentially working for the adversary being Russian government now. Um, so to some extent, the Czech Republic is not a leader, I would say, in Europe, not at all. The Baltic countries or Sweden are, uh, but but we are not doing that bad. But what, what uh, some of our others mentioned, uh, the Russian government is now trying to essentially strike a strategic corruption deal on a nuclear power plant, similar kind of deal on, like Pax 2 in Hungary, which would, which would effectively serve as a tool for strategic corruption activities of Russia against Czech political establishment for decades to come. So that's a major operation ongoing right now. Thank you very much. Anybody want to add anything to that? I think we're probably at our last uh, question here, and I want to ask it to Michaela, at least start with Michaela, and that is, um, uh, could the United States have been a better partner for the Czech Republic in this endeavor? Could they have helped them more uh, in this endeavor to, to make this more popular within the country and maybe even have helped uh, counter Russian disinformation campaigns? You know, it's a, it's a tough call. There definitely are things I think that the United States can do you know, I'm, I'm sure there is room to improve intelligence sharing and intelligence cooperation. Um, but it has to do it in a way that doesn't make it look like it's interfering with the domestic process, because that would be counterproductive to the goal the United States is trying to uh, trying to achieve into allied cooperation. Um, so I think that's that's the main, probably the main thing the United States can do. I think the United States can also advise in um, political, we, we call it political marketing, really, but it's about creating a compelling narrative to counter whatever the narrative from Russia is. 
So I think we can do a lot better job there, not only with the with the allies, but also with the United States. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's been wonderful. I, you know, I, this is just enough information to make me uh, completely scared and to, to, to as a wake up call. And so we're out of time. I'd love to I'd let, like to thank our guests, uh, starting with Michaela, uh, Colonel Fulton, uh, Jacob Janda both joining us, I think, from Prague, or at least the Czech Republic. And I also want to thank our audience uh, for joining us for this important conversation. If you work on the Hill, if you work on a think tank, or you just have questions, uh, please contact us at the information on the screen right now. We'd love to continue this uh, conversation, and we can put you in contact with our guests uh, for follow-up. And then immediately following this event, you'll, you'll receive a survey that we hope you'll complete that we can uh, bring better ideas to you and different ideas about to the public forum. And if you're interested in future events, I encourage you to check out heritage.org events. Thank you very much and have a wonderful and great day. Goodbye. <laughs>